The initial plan was going to be that we would get people into our studio, provide them with a nice, quiet environment. They'd record that. We'd just kind of sit with them initially and give them some sort of guidance and then tell them how best to pace it, etc. We'd then do some very basic edits for them, maybe put a jingle on particular shows, do a little bit of editing, take out the ums and the ahs. Hi, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So today's episode is a little bit postmodernist, I suppose, because it's a podcast episode about podcasting well it's about how to start a podcast and how to go through all of this inside an organization because what i've noticed is that quite a few major organizations are having really successful pilots and programs of podcasting as a new style of communication within their organization. So I thought it'd be great to uh, focus on that in an episode today. So I've been talking to Mark Parkinson of Nationwide Building Society. Uh, Nationwide Building Society is what you would call a mutual society. It's a financial services company based in the UK. And Mark is the digital channels business partner and Basically, he's the person who set up the podcast nationwide. And I really enjoyed talking to Mark um, to find out exactly how they'd gone about it, how they'd kind of made a few choices that they then revisited, how they're still evaluating the feasibility of it. It's a little bit more work than people think when they start, which is all useful learning, but they actually discovered also how powerful a communication tool it is and i can't see why any small medium size or even large and large organization wouldn't be looking at podcasting as a 21st century communication and engagement tool so here's my conversation with mark parkinson it's great to be sitting here with you mark Thanks, um, over here in nationwide's beautiful offices down here in the city of London. We've got amazing views of old London and new London surrounding us. And we're here at a DWG member meeting, which you guys have been hosting. And uh, it's been fantastic to, to have the experience. What beautiful offices you've got. Yeah, it's a great environment. It's, uh, it's been great to have you here, Paul, uh, for us to be able to host you in our, uh, our central London location. It's not somewhere I often get to, uh, to get to come, but uh, yeah, it makes a change from the, uh, the Swindon, uh, Swindon headquarters. Great. And um, so, Mark, your title is Digital Production Partner yes. at Nationwide. So what, what does that mean? So really, it's uh, it's a role that's evolved over the last six months. We were effectively, myself and a couple of colleagues, content partners, predominantly looking after the intranet, looking after governance, working with the business areas to help provide kind of great engaging content. That's changed really over the last few months. And as we've introduced new channels, webcasting, sort of live events, video production, and also podcasting, that our roles take on more of a production element uh, and also a bit of a 
the director element there picking it up here. Um, so that's been a real change for us. So, so rather than just advising others on how to produce content, we've been actively producing that mm -hmm. content for the organisation. So there's been a cost save in that for us, and it's given the kind of the agility and the flexibility to kind of create that content when we need it. Yeah, and the thing that really kind of intrigued me, which is what this um, uh, episode's about, is is podcasting within organisations. Yeah. So this is our podcast about podcasting, <laughs> and I think it's 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 really interesting to see the way podcasting has is starting to kind of take a role inside different organizations and going to be talking, you know, it's great to be talking to you. We've got a, a, a part of the show as well with JP Morgan Chase and their story. So tell me why Nationwide started to think about podcasting. Yeah, so we don't, we're, we're always looking at different channels and podcasting have been on the radar for some time. Uh, we ran a trial for a, another application which was a comms on mobile application and we got a lot of feedback from that that people would like to see potentially podcasts on the app in the future. That didn't go any further actually. It's something we've paused for a while and we'll look at that again in the future. However, we took that away, looked at other feedback we've been getting from comments on our intranet where people were saying they were quite interested in listening to audio, hearing kind of a leader's voice, other subject matter experts across the organization. So we took the opportunity to run effectively a kind of a test and learn, a six-month period, fairly low cost, using a commercial podcast platform that we could effectively white label for nationwide. So very low kind of cost of entry for that for us. And the idea really was, was to go and kind of out there to a, a mix of different kind of content providers, really, uh, hoping that most of it would be kind of user-generated, that we'd get some of the employee voice that we don't necessarily hear in the organization all the time. So we're, we're very good at getting leaders in front of cameras, doing live events, very familiar with kind of getting those kind of weekly emails from leadership, etc. But often some of the subject matter experts who are working in particular interesting fields, sort of tech talent, new technology, fintechs, etc., don't get an opportunity to, to describe what they're up to. And, and it's often the case that organizations think of video and there's been video around for quite a while. What, what, what did you see particular downsides to video and potential upsides to podcasts? What's yeah, so I think with video, what we were seeing was were quite a few fairly lengthy live events, particularly supplemented with some very short kind of pithy marketing or campaign based video. But what we were missing were those kind of 10, 15 minute informational pieces. And we we're also aware that people had been saying is there stuff that we could listen to potentially while we we're on the commute, stuff outside the office. But really a big driver was people saying they wanted to see stuff on mobile. And we're not in a position yet to offer video across mobile within the organization. So actually podcasts and audio seemed like a really potentially easy win for us to be able to try and explore that market really and see if what we were hearing actually panned out with the with the analysis after we'd run it for a while so what is it what's involved in starting a pilot and now i know you've moved into kind of post-pilot phase yeah so so initially we uh, we approached a number of different vendors we just took a little exercise internally to, to validate those and see which of those potentially would work for us uh, and we settled on a, on a platform called U Studio. Uh, very How simple. do you spell that? U S T U D I O. Um, very simple platform. Had a very simple back end. There was a registration process that we could then moderate and manage. So it was important to us to make sure it was only nationwide employees who had access to the tool. Although we were very careful to make sure that content wasn't confidential or commercial in nature. Um, the ease of being able to set that up meant that we were we were able to promote that quite rapidly. We only wanted to run the pilot for six months, and we thought it was quite important to actually get those sign-ups on very early. 
Okay. And technically, where do you start? Do you have the kit? How do you record it? What's the... Yeah, so um, we had a little bit of investment. So we already had our TV studio that was set up for video. We have effectively a radio room. So Nationwide has a radio station that goes out to our branch network. Okay. There's a small room that has a, an ISDN box. It has mics. It has headphones. Effectively, all we were missing really was some, some uh, kind of simple-to-use microphones that we could plug into to laptops, into, into Macs, into other devices, just to capture that audio. The initial plan was going to be that we would get people into our studio, provide them with a nice, quiet environment. They'd record that. We'd just kind of sit with them initially and give them some sort of guidance and, and tell them how best to kind of pace it, etc. We'd then do some very basic edits for them, maybe put a jingle on for particular shows, do a little bit of editing, take out the ums and the ahs. What, what platform do you use for the editing? So we were using Adobe Audition. So we looked at a variety of different tools. We already had Audition in our sort of creative cloud suite. We were familiar with it, so actually it was kind of a logical a way of, of doing that and enabled us to kind of quite easily do the edits and mix that down then to an MP3 at the end to, to host on the platform. Mm. And how did you decide what content to put on it and length of the podcast and so on yes we were very open actually we were we were keen that we did get those subject matter experts and people who were passionate about what they wanted to do and people who weren't forced into it like like what would be a typical subject you think so something that came up very early was people wanted to put learning material on there so we had a we had a request to put a new show together called learning matters that would cover particularly kind of leadership learnings ways and empower our leaders with with tools to better uh, engage with with uh, with the colleagues across the society we then had other people coming and say, well, I want to come and talk to you about data, or I want to come and talk to you about what we're doing on infrastructure. We're spending a lot of money at the moment. Resilience is a big a big issue for, for many banks and building societies, exactly the same for Nationwide. Lots of work going on on our infrastructure. And it thought it would be nice to get those guys in and speak, speak in layman's terms, actually, about what things meant, like terms like speed layer and middleware, etc. So we approached those kind of people. But then also, once we advertised it, we had a lot of people just coming forward saying, could I do a show about X? I'm a, I'm a graduate. I've just come in on the graduate scheme. I'd love to run a show that talks to other graduates about what the scheme is and what opportunities there are to kind of work together. So those things happened organically. And I think as the pilot ran for a while, more and more people kind of latched onto that. And it was important to us that it was people that were passionate. We did validate them. So we did spend some time initially to kind of sit down and what was their plan? Who was their target audience? Were they committed to keeping that podcast running? And, or did they have a sense that it may be a, a five or six show run and that's the end? Uh, a few of them we did turn down because there was duplications. A few we got people to kind of work together on the podcast because they had similar ideas. But I think we got to the stage by the end of the trial, I think we had 35 different shows and somewhere in a region of 280 episodes. So we had a lot of content. Content wasn't the problem. So much more content than you could possibly have got on video. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the um, breadth of the subject was... And so what was greater. the best idea that came up and what was the worst idea? Yeah, so I think we... Um we found things like well-being. So we've been launching some well-being campaigns now, probably for a good 12 months. And actually, the podcast on well-being went down extremely well. Lots of listens, lots of downloads. Uh, as I said earlier, we had the, the Learning Matters podcast. Again, that was very, very popular. Uh, we also started doing pub podcasts of some of our events that we ran, where the audio actually would stand alone and, and be, be listenable to. They were very, very popular for people who couldn't get there or didn't have time 
um, to, to watch the video. And again, people who just wanted to listen on a commute. So they wanted to be able to listen to a kind of a lengthy podcast for their, for their drive in to, into the office. What didn't work so well, unfortunately, was a lot of the SME content stuff that we thought people might have found what, interesting. When you say SME, what do you mean? Uh, subject matter experts. Oh, right. So, okay. so the stuff we thought people actually would be really keen on, so right. know, finding out about our data layer right. and other things that were, were, were big topics for the organization. We found it was very niche groups that were watching those. And, and yeah, and the guys were putting a lot of effort in to produce these. Right. So it was basically lessons. the host was really interested. Pretty in much. And that was <laughs> probably much. and possibly their mum. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> that. So yeah, as I say, it, it, it was unfortunate, I think, that some of the things we thought might have more reach mm. than they than they actually did. I think people were electing not to not to listen. To and were you judging success purely on numbers of listens? I think there was there, that, that was definitely a factor, but we also have a number of measures internally around understanding belief and action. And what we wanted to see was whether people who were listening to our podcasts felt that they were being better empowered within the organisation. Um. And whether they felt that they had a better understanding of some of our success measures and some of our principles and uh, an analysis afterwards did show that. So there was a marked increase in those individuals who had listened to podcasts on those subjects felt that they understood that better than those who hadn't been exposed to the podcasts. And were you trialing different durations? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we went from the gamut from kind of quick five minute overviews through to hour and a half epics right. uh, around particular. But what we found the sweet point again on analysis was people were really looking for the material that was around about the five to 15 minute. All right. Nice bite sized chunks with a few outliers for those people who tended to commute who were quite happy to listen to something longer they could just start at their journey and end when they got to the office mm. but yeah anything that was kind of beyond the 30 minute was really struggling to, to get consistent and did, views and did you find that people understood how to download this onto their phones and uh we did have comprehensive instructions okay um I think when people were downloading it onto their own personal devices, it was less of a problem. I think if they were trying to do it on a corporate device, there were sometimes some issues around down downloads or some steps or some authentication steps. We set a requirement that you had to register using your nationwide email address, and we made that very, very clear. The number of people who then tried to register with their own personal email address and then having to go through additional validation steps was quite high. So we found it wasn't, it wasn't as simple as we would have liked it to be, and the fact that we had to have the validation Mm. meant that people couldn't just download it and start consuming the, the episodes immediately. There was a delay as we kind of moderated and managed that, which would have been nice to avoid that, really. And does Nationwide have external pod podcasts as well? We don't. No, we don't. So at the moment, um, we have nothing that's kind of member-facing in that no. space. Um, so this was really was a very much yeah. kind of a trial yeah. um, and, internally. And what, what surprised you about it? I think it was the passion of those people who really did get behind it. I think people who like podcasts really like podcasts. And we kind of had an inkling that was going to be the case from some polls we'd run on the internet. Would you be interested? And it was very much a kind of a Marmite feeling around it. People either love them or detested them and would never detest like them. There are people who detest They're, podcasts. That's probably maybe a bit too strong, but they were very passionate that they wouldn't be listening to All any right. nationwide based podcast. Do you know, do you know why, why? Putting aside the people who are passionate, and obviously I'm one of them, um, why are 
why would what is it about people who don't kind of like it that, that... yeah i think we had we had some feedback that people were concerned that the audio quality wouldn't perhaps be great they were concerned that the subject matter might be boring you know they might even some people who perhaps listen to external podcasts and found those speakers engaging were concerned about the internal stuff wouldn't be of the same production standards and therefore something that wouldn't grip them uh we managed to change that opinion of a few people, but there were still others that say, no, I, I really don't want to listen to work-related material, either in the office or out of it, in an yeah. audio format. I don't want to have anything to do with nationwide, really? when I'm at work, when <laughs> I'm at home, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get enough communications during the working day. Yeah. I yeah. really don't need to be listening yeah. to and stuff internally after hours or, be or before. And did you have anybody who became a, has, has become a little bit of a celebrity through this? Uh, not no, not necessarily. I think I think we've had um, certainly people who had been um, kind of in the in the leadership space. A couple of those have really adopted podcasting, so they moved away from doing regular monthly webcasts. Could you give me an example? Yeah, so Mandy Beach, who heads up our frontline colleagues at the branch network, effectively, um, she moved across from doing a kind of 50-50 split between doing a, a video update monthly to an audio-based update for her for her team, uh, and that would be sh shared internally on Yammer and other platforms. And she did a really great job of promoting that, and we had a great engagement from her team to the point that they were kind of clamoring to kind of get that on that platform so they were really great kind of early adopters and have continued to want to use that platform um, again another another leader who looks after our regulated advice teams uh, again a great speaker and I think that's the common factor between the two of them actually whether they're on audio, they're on video, or they're communicating across other channels they're great communicators and great storytellers and I think their, their material gripped people, it was interesting people wanted to follow it along Mm. And what was it about Mandy that, that, that drew her more to the podcasting than, than, than video? I think something with the simplicity. Right. So before, just for video. To... Yeah, before, you know, occasionally we would be getting stuff that had been submitted on a, on a camera, yeah. on, a, on a phone, sorry, submitted through. And it was always a bit kind of dodgy. The audio wasn't particularly great. But with just a few little pointers, actually getting an audio recording on something like an iPhone, particularly a little plug-in mic, was actually really good quality. And I think she found it easy to be able to find a quiet space at home or in the office where she could record that at her own time rather than feeling obliged to come in and do a kind of a full studio production for those videos. Um, it was less important of her surroundings. You know, it didn't have to kind of present her in a particular light. She was able to just be genuine and share that message with her, her wider team. Yeah, and, and that's one of the benefits, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a much more kind of mobile, flexible simple to kind of produce so long as you can get good audio yeah absolutely um there seem to be so many other obstacles to getting good quality video you know you either record it on a you know your own device with with all the implications of that or you basically spend quite a lot of money to kind of get properly produced material with all of that. Yeah, and I think that was a learning for us, actually, is that there, has, there is a limit to what you can produce locally. I mean, if you look at any of the kind of professional commercial podcasters, you know, they're in a nice studio environment, but actually the amount of time they then spend editing... We had a few where they wanted to invite guests in and try and intersect different sections into their podcast. Actually, the editing required on that and to do it to justice and to balance sound is really quite difficult. It's not mm. something you can easily do yourself. So I think that, for us, became a bit of a burden sometimes of trying to produce these to a particular standard, whereas those individuals who were happy to record their own 
as a single single hit and kind of run that that way, they worked particularly well. But yeah, there was there was always a risk. And I think that's one of the findings we did get to at the end of the initial part of the uh, of the trial, was we were spending a lot of time producing the material, putting jingles on. Balancing the audio, taking the ums and ahs out, perhaps correcting some mistakes that people had done when they recorded it, or they may have taken some couple of takes and wanting us to kind of stitch it together. And we did find that for, for most of the podcasts, the listening figures didn't justify that effort in production. So we've got to the stage, we're going to continue our, our podcast trial for another six months, but we're actually going to take a slightly different view and actually try and engage leaders more. So a bit like we mentioned, Larry and Mandy have done a great job in kind of engaging their teams. It's to see if we can do the same with some of the other leaders rather than some of the subject matter experts or quite niche subjects. So that's going to be our, our major focus moving forward. Any indication on the cost of running a pilot like this? Or if you can't be specific, maybe how... What is the sort of, how much cheaper is it than running a similar thing on film? Yeah, and it was quite interesting, actually. So given the, the overheads of managing the platform and the, the time in, in, or the cost in time of then doing edits to try and produce a very professional sounding audio file, it actually ended up costing about twice as much as it cost us to webcast to the organization. So it actually was a more expensive during the trial to produce an audio file of the sufficient quality and to be able to distribute that and promote it and do all the okay. additional work needed to make sure people were listening to it than it was to get similar or greater reach with our live broadcast platform. So some of that was down to just the sheer amount of effort. Some of that was down to us learning the tool set and kind of probably not being as effective with it as we could have been. And some of it had probably uh, over-engineering some of the podcasts and providing too much post-production work. So the manpower to support that, even just having somebody to let them into the studio, to potentially sit there with them and go through it, to do the edits afterwards, to take a debrief, to get that loaded onto the platform, to find sufficient imagery for a new show, all of those things added up. When you then compared it to the the reach of a of a webcast versus the reach for a given episode, with some exceptions, it was yeah effectively twice as expensive to, to produce a an audio file. Yeah, and that's interesting. So so you presumably were surprised that it was actually not as cheap as you'd expected it to be. Very much so. Right. Yeah, that was a big surprise, a bit real eye opener. And, and are you then therefore streamlining? Should I say we have? And so what, we've now yeah, yeah. So rather than us producing now those materials, we've we've actually reduced the number of shows. So actually, we're really focusing on the stuff that does have that engagement. Um, it's difficult to predict that and to know, because some stuff has really stuck that we didn't expect it to, and other stuff we thought would fly really, really hasn't. Um, but effectively, if it's not a leader, if it doesn't align to our communication principles or isn't to do with one of nationwide's kind of primary goals, we're classing that as very much kind of a self-produced podcast. And we'll support the guys with that. We're looking to open up the app to provide a, a mechanism for them to upload their files directly into it. We would then just moderate those and then push them live to a show. So that would absolutely cut out all the effort involved in those in those shows. We probably still can continue to support the leaders in their podcast productions i think it's important that they are they are presented at a particular level of a particular quality uh but we're actually hoping that the quality doesn't drop necessarily with the right kit and the right environment i think if people are submitting them themselves they should still be absolutely fine so is there like a sort of average cost per episode that you're looking for ideally it would be great to kind of bring that bring that down to as few pounds as possible i think we were we were at the stage where we were almost costing like eight pound a listen 
for right for a podcast versus right. significantly cheaper costs for a webcast production when you take manpower overhead cost mm. of equipment etc etc mm. so really we're trying to get the uh, the cost of production as low as possible and the amount of usage as high as possible uh, and promotion is a big part of that so it hand in hand with going back to the people submitting their podcasts is that they need to do a bit more self-promotion there's only so much we can do centrally within the wider comms team and it really is down to them to really do that yeah i mean and i think you're right i mean things like you know standardized you know intro and outro music that you you use standardized kind of audio intros outros and just kind of in a way getting rid of as you're saying some of the things that are nice to have or can seem like nice to have but it's also all it all adds in a bit of engineering um really what people want is I think kind of good audio and decent content reasonably well. That's certainly what we've had the feedback yeah. is they're less, they're less interested in it being mm. a fancy, a fancy image for the show and, and overly uh, exuberant jingles. It really so, is about so content. It sounds like nationwide are going to stay with podcasting as a, an enduring I think so. channel, I think, do you think? Yeah, I think we've got the next six months. So we're going to continue it for another six months with that focus on leadership and business priority messaging to see if it just acts as another channel in the mix that people can elect to use or not. I think we then feel that we've probably done everything we can internally to promote that and to look at every possible content type that we could host there. Um We'll then take a review after that six-month period and see if it is something that we would continue with. We are looking at developing other apps, and it may well be that in the future it might be that we can have a uh, our own internal kind of podcast hosting, which would obviously save on licensing costs. So that's something that we're looking at at all. But I think we'll be led by the uh, by the metrics at the end and see what people are saying about it. Um, I know we will have people who are disappointed, potentially, who are those kind of really strong advocates, but it, it has to pay for itself in the mix of platforms. Yeah, yeah. And, and we are a limited resource. And if we're getting our message across better and cheaper using our other channels, then sadly, uh, podcasting wouldn't be something we'd necessarily add to the mix. Yeah, so you're kind of refining it, simplifying it, learning from the pilot. Absolutely. And, 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 and so on. How does the leadership responded to the idea of podcasting? So some of them have adopted it. They weren't early adopters, but we certainly got to the point once they could see that people were on the platform Larry and Mandy had already started going out to their communities. We've had a number of others now come in in their particular communities across the society, covering a whole range of different kind of uh, uh, subjects. They've already uh, signed up to it. They're already doing that. The challenge for us now is to go out perhaps some of the more traditional leaders across the organization who don't necessarily even webcast currently or use any of our additional channels to try and get them to engage across across podcasts. And we did have one occasion where uh, one of our leaders who uh, who usually is, is a fairly slow adopter of technology, but we had a particular issue on a given day with a webcast platform. So we, we offered her the opportunity to use uh, the studio to record a podcast instead. And her community absolutely lapped it up. And she was brilliant. She was absolute natural at it. And I think, you know, that's an example mm-hmm. where people don't necessarily know unless they've had a go at doing it that actually it can be quite a compelling platform Mm. and i suppose have you noticed that it has an ability to kind of affect the culture of the organization yeah definitely so i think one of our metrics on the understanding belief and action one of those measures was around uh, awareness of the culture 
Um, and definitely those folk who had been listening to our, our series of podcasts felt that they knew more and felt more connected to the organization in that way. So I think that was a great kind of result. And again, kind of shows that, uh, the podcast can perhaps reach areas that other comms don't necessarily reach. Um, so I think we were pleased with that. It's just the volume. I think so. I think at the end of the six-month period, we were just shy. I think of two thousand five hundred registrations, and that's an organisation of about eighteen thousand. So still quite a lot of work to kind of reach those uh, those others. But I think you'll probably find just you know from from my own uh, experience of hosting a podcast is that episodes that you recorded a long time ago will get listened to. Yes. A long time into the future so actually you, you'll build up over time as well which is <clears throat> i think one of the interesting things about it um so when and where do people listen to the podcast yeah so again interesting so from a time perspective it's probably a fairly traditional kind of bell curve throughout the day but definitely with a bit of a long tail so people were definitely listening it later in the evening than they were consuming any other kind of comms in the organization and there were a number of people who were listening to it early in the morning one assumes on the commute or when making breakfast or something so between 5 a.m and 10 p.m was our kind of core viewing time but as you'd expect yeah, the main main part was during during the working day um we had lots of plays lots of listens um but yeah gen generally people were listening to podcasts of around about 15 minutes that kind of content was the stuff that was popular. Great. Um, so what's so well? What's next is the next. Yeah, the next step for us is definitely. We're still in pilot mode then. We're still in pilot, so an extended yeah. pilot. Okay. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't kill it off after the first. So yeah. though it, it there is promise there. I think yeah. there's more work to do. We've, yeah. got to, we've got to drive some of the cost out of the process. Mm. Potentially find more engaging content that we can promote better. I think some of that is aligning it with our other comms channels. So at the moment, podcasting sits very much in its own little isolated space. There's a little bit of crossover of stuff that's going on more widely across the society, but it was fairly niche. And I think we need to make it a bit more of a core platform that kind of resonates with the other storytelling and the messaging that's going on across the society. And that way, I think we'll get a little bit more cross fertilization. Yeah. Well, congratulations on what you've done. Thank you. Uh, I, I love the way that you've taken the step, incorporated it, piloted it, learned, refined, changed, seen where it's going to find its place inside the organization. And, and thank you so much, Mark, for, for sharing the, the nationwide podcast story. My so pleasure, Paul. Thank you. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash dwg underscore podcast this is paul miller wishing you well until next time <laughs>